Hello, my name is David Shire, and this is the story they tell. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. We're going to be talking all things Harry Potter versus Percy Jackson, why Harry Potter became this huge success while per- Percy Jackson really uh, became more of a cult following, what was lost in translation and adaptation from the books to the films, which story elements work for one, while which other story elements may not work for another. And obviously, there's going to be massive spoilers ahead for this podcast, but I'm looking forward to talking all things Percy Jackson and Harry Potter with you. Welcome back to the podcast. Anyway, my name is David Shire, and yeah, we've changed the uh, we've changed the entire name and the entire branding of this podcast. If you've listened to it before this day, it used to be known as How It's Going So Far, but I have since updated the branding because I wanted to do something a little more niche. Uh, I've been li- re-listening to the podcast uh, as of late of How It's Going So Far, and the idea came to me of that if I really want to like get people to do interviews on this podcast, if I really want to kind of niche down my profile, I need to figure out what my uh, what my niche is. You know what. What is it that I enjoy talking about that everybody enjoys talking about so I can get guests on this podcast? And the thing that I've noticed in especially my most recent episodes is that the one thing I enjoy talking about is I just enjoy talking about storytelling, Uh, whether it be about trash reality TV shows like The Ultimatum and how it decides to tell its story of like this horrendous, uh, the horrendous atrocities known as long-term relationships. Or if it just has to do with stories about video games that are kind of terrible like Danganronpa and how it tells its story and how it's compelling in its plot but it's not really, um, it's not really good. I it's, it's very long and over-exaggerated. I want to talk about like these different storytelling elements, talk about how, how stories kind of affect us and how we kind of use them as escapism. I certainly use them as escapism as, as my life, you know, like, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, my job can be very stressful. And so what I usually typically do is, uh, when I come home from work or, uh, if I'm not like working out like constantly, which is, you know, something I'm obviously doing cause I'm super buff in real life <laughs> that you would know. Uh, but if I'm not working out, usually what I have is I have either my head in a book, my hands on a video game, or I have, um, or I'm just watching some television show. And sometimes uh, it's all three. <laughs> so I use stories as escapism, and I think that storytelling as uh, a mechanic is one of the most interesting things that humans do. I mean, what's the point, right? Like, what's the point of storytelling? Like, why is it that human beings decided eons ago that they wanted to pass down stories and pass down stories that aren't even true, right? And we're going to be talking about that uh, more as we go further along the podcast. But today, I thought that in order to branch off and create this podcast, I want to start on a really hot button issue. And so I've been making a lot of fun of and have, poking a lot of fun at both these series on my Instagram, uh, the story they tell. You can follow me on Instagram, by the way. Um uh, And I've been making fun of both these series, and I wanted to talk about Harry Potter versus Percy Jackson and kind of and kind of give my overall thoughts and opinions on the series. Now, I do come at this with a little bit of uh, bias. I think that Percy Jackson, as far as um, YA series, was really important in kind of my development of being a reader. Uh, I remember reading the 
the second book of the series first, uh, The Sea of Monsters, which I don't recommend doing because there's a lot of context in Sea of Monsters that you need in the first book. But I, I remember reading The Sea of Monsters for the first time in my life, and I remember... I remember it really took me by storm. Like, I was not a really avid reader back then. I didn't really understand the point of reading outside of... Uh, my school had this system where you had to read books and you had to take quizzes on books and you had to... Um, you had to get a certain amount of points per per semester in order to pass your grade for reading. And a uh, funny story is that Harry Potter books, uh, because they were in, uh, starting in book four, because they were notoriously long, uh, you could get away with reading like one Harry Potter book and be good for like a couple weeks to meet your goal. <laughs> so I would typically do that. But anyway, that's beside the point. And that was after I read Percy Jackson. But Percy Jackson was the series that really got me into reading. So I definitely do have a little bit more of a bias towards Percy Jackson, but I want to kind of say that both series, I think, have a lot of good things going for them. And I really want to delve in deep on what are those similarities that both of these series uh, have that have turned them kind of into phenomenons. Harry Potter more so. I mean, when Harry Potter was at its peak, it was absolutely crazy. And why is it that that was such a big deal? Uh, I think there's a lot of different answers for that. I'm going to give my opinions on that more so, but uh, uh, but I want to explore like the similar story elements, what works about both stories. And we kind of just want to, I kind of want to just talk it through on why I think both these series um, deserve the respect and admiration that it still currently has with a lot of readers. All right. So as far as as far as like okay so what are what are the what's the overarching plot of both these stories all right so both these stories are well i guess let's start with harry potter harry potter is about a boy a magical boy uh, who discovers that he has magical abilities around like 12 i think he's i think he's 12 in the first book yeah, 12 years old and uh, it tracks his time going to the school hogwarts and him growing up with this prophecy where one day he's going to destroy an evil bad dude. Now, Percy Jackson, on the other hand, is a story about a boy who discovers his magical abilities around 12 to 13 years old, and it tracks the time that he goes to a camp where he where he then also has to kind of deal with this prophecy where he has to beat a big evil bad dude at the end. So, okay, elephant in the room, all right? Percy Jackson does take a lot of elements from Harry Potter. There's a lot of similarities between the story structure in that one, they both feature on a very young boy. Uh, they both uh, they both have elements of child abuse in their stories, which is kind of rough. Uh, there is there is this quote from a Cosmonaut Variety Hour that I remember uh, talking about Harry Potter. Whereas if you really want to like a child protagonist, like the first thing that you do is you just make their life as miserable as possible. <laughs> and that's certainly the case for Harry Potter. Honestly, I think Harry had it worse because Percy um, in the books has his mom and Sally Jackson, who is just amazing and is just a great character. Uh, but, you know, Harry doesn't really have anybody to cling to like that. And the people that he does have to cling to usually end up dying. <laughs> Spoiler alerts. I, did I mention that? There is a lot of spoilers for... Uh, there's potential spoilers for these books. I'll try to keep it vague. But I mean, like, you know, both books have been around for about 20 years, which is crazy. I'm feeling super bold. But anyway, let's keep pushing forward. Um I would say even the the first three books of both series even follow this weird similar structure that I I, I didn't even realize until I was thinking about it uh, later earlier this day or not today but like earlier this month uh, where they both have like this thing where like they have like a trio so Percy has Annabeth and Grover which are like you know god tier <laughs> of uh, people uh, where Annabeth is very much the smart one where uh, Grover is very much the dopey one whereas Percy Jackson or whereas sorry Harry Potter I'm going to get 
these Marsh mixed up. I'm going to call them HP and then PJ. I don't know. That won't be any less confusing, but we'll try that for the time being. HP has his his homies in Hermione and Ron, who Hermione's the smart one and Ron's kind of the goofy one. Uh, and so even side character stabs and even the books, like they sideline them. So like you start in book one, it's all three of them. You start in book two, uh, the dopey character gets uh, thrown to the side in Grover and Ron. And then in book three, the smart character gets thrown to the side in Annabeth and in Hermione, or in Hermione, actually, it's it's actually flipped. Now that I think about it in HP's world, where uh, Hermione is sidelined in the second book, and and Ron is sidelined in the third book. Whereas in Percy Jackson, they did switch it. They uh, they sidelined uh, <laughs> Grover in the second book, and then sidelined Annabeth in the third. So boom, that's a difference for you, <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bookworms, <laughs> you complain these series are too similar, but anyway, I would say. I would say structurally, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of similarities um, as far as kind of the base structure in the first story. But I think, I think where the both stories really diverge is, is how the world is kind of perceived by both characters and kind of the danger level of both worlds. So Percy Jackson, the reason why I love him so, so much is that he is a character that very much hides his fear in the guise of comedy and as somebody who does that all the time i I definitely feel a real kinship with percy like a lot of what i do um in my job is i always try to like make jokes on like serious meetings and stuff like that even when it's like detrimental and the reason why i do it is it's a coping mechanism and in percy because you get his first person point of view and you really get a sense of you really see percy's fear and anxiety throughout all these different crazy adventures that he has to go on. But you really see that he is using humor to kind of cope with that and kind of understand his world. And Percy's world is very dangerous all the time. Like it's kind of mentioned briefly in the books, but like the opening, the opening chapter of, of the lightning thief is, Hey, like, if you think that you're a half-blood, like, stop reading this book. Like, just pretend that your life is totally fine and totally normal, like, because being a half-blood absolutely sucks. And he goes on to explain that, you know, he's been attacked his entire life by monsters. Uh, he He's constantly on the run. He's constantly has this fear of, like, a big thing coming after him. And that's, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of unique to the Percy Jackson uh, story. Whereas Harry Potter, I mean, Harry Potter does live in a very dangerous world. I don't want to say that uh, Harry lives like this, you know, this perfectly safe life, right? But it feels more of a choice for Harry, where a lot of the danger that Harry faces is, ironically, in the school that's supposed to keep him safe. <laughs> where, where, yes, I think that he would still get hunted down in the real world, but there's never, like, you get a sense that, like, Harry gets a real break from, like, the nervous, the nervousness and anxiety of living in the wizarding world when he gets to go back to the Dursleys. Now, granted, the Dursleys are terrible, and so Harry really doesn't get that much of a break, but it's like, it's different, right? It's it's more like, whereas Percy is like under the constant threat of literally dying, Harry is more under the threat of like accidentally murdering one of his aunt or uncle. And that was kind of explored, especially in the third book when he like blows up his aunt, uh, his other aunt. I can't remember what her name was, but but needless to say, uh, I think that the worlds and the way that they're presented is is starkly different. I think that the way that Percy kind of talks about his world and kind of 
kind of treats it also is is very notable. Like Percy, whenever something is is really scary and is really upfront, again, he deflects with humor, right? There's no or or he just kind of gives like a nonchalant, like, oh, okay, I guess this will happen now, right? Uh, he <laughs> there's like this whole portion in the first book where where it's it's such a dumb joke, but <laughs> they they say they uh, they say like uh, they have to like I am or they have to like mess get a message to uh, Camp Half Blood because they're like in the middle of their quest and they say oh we got to send an I am uh, which this book was written back in two thousand five uh, and so and so uh, Percy's like oh we got to send him an instant message and then Grover's like no we got to send him an iris message <laughs> and it's just like and Percy's just like oh it's so lame <laughs> but okay whatever <laughs> right there's like there's always this hint of like like sarcasm in like the Percy Jackson world. It's just kind of, it's fun and goofy. Like I don't really know how else to explain it. Um, Whereas Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe is very much like the way HP is written is he's very much like this kind of more of a blank slate. I would say that seems a little rude. He, he's just like constantly surprised and constantly, uh, He's con- he has like this like face of wonderment whenever some new magical thing presents itself to him like and it's always like wow I can't believe this thing exists and it's like Harry like after like a while, like in the first couple of books you understand it because like the world is being introduced to him but then like after a while you're just like like Harry can you just like stop being surprised that this thing is going on like there's like this whole sequence in the fourth book where uh where Harry ends up going into a going into a tent and it's like bigger on the inside and like in the movie at least there's like a scene of Daniel Radcliffe just making like like wow this is the most amazing thing ever it's like Harry you've literally you have literally done so much cool stuff you've literally time traveled at this point like there's nothing that should surprise you anymore about this wizarding world that you live in but Needless to say, I think that's it's it's kind of designed that way, right? Because Harry is more of a blank slate for the audience to surrogate into. Now he does have his own character traits. I should I should mention that because otherwise my cousin's gonna yell at me. There's a lot of bravery that is in Harry. He is very much like both characters, I think, very much stick up for their friends in a lot of key situations. But for me, Harry Harry does suffer a bit from just kind of being an avatar for us us the reader to go through more so than more so than Percy. Percy does feel like his own character. And I think I think it's just because he has such a strong point of view uh, that it's super interesting to kind of read read his thoughts and his in his words and the way that he perceives things more than it is to read kind of this weird third person narrative where we sometimes hear HP's thoughts. Sometimes we don't. Uh, and it's just like, it's just, it's very different. It's, it's so different. And it's, it's stark once you kind of, if you've read both series, um, I guess the way I put it here is that when Percy learns things, he gets upset and he gets starky because his world just never feels safe or fair. Whereas Harry, you know, he he lives in Hogwarts, and when he's in Hogwarts, he's like the most alive and he experiences this wonder and joy. And I think as a kid, I think that appeals a little bit more uh, because it's just a little bit more fun to be in Harry's shoes, right? Where you're experiencing this magical world for the first time. There's a sense of wonderment and magic where Percy kind of makes fun of it is... is is a little bit more snarky. And I think that while that age is a little bit better in the long term, I think as a kid, there is something kind of 
tangible about Harry's feelings when it's like the first time you felt them, right? Like you want to believe that Hogwarts is real. You want to believe that your letter from Hogwarts is coming every day. Whereas in Percy's mind, like he, he says it himself, you don't want to be a demigod because being a demigod kind of sucks, even though, I mean, come on, like you really, like if I could be the son of Poseidon, that'd be this super cool. I would like, I just like goof around with like bubbles in the shower or something. I don't know. <laughs> like It'd just be a very fun experience. But, but, you know, also being hunted by monsters my entire life. That would be kind of terrible. But anyway, moving on, I think that another key difference between both theories is, uh, both series, sorry, is the themes and the way that the themes are presented primarily through their villain, right? I think that, let's go ahead, let's start with, uh, let's start with, uh, with uh, HP, our boy, uh, Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter, his main theme is, in terms of like what the books are about is I think it's about love's ability to conquer evil. That was, that's what I would say is the main theme based on solely the villain. Now, obviously there's other themes that happen. Uh, I would say that Harry Potter does feel like more of a mystery series. Uh, JK uh, seemed to have written, has written that in that way. Um, also uh, quick, quick thing. Uh, JK uh, is more like a lot of more controversial than uh, Rick Riordan. I feel like I should like bring that up before <laughs> before continuing on. Like if there's things that JK have said that uh, have deeply offended you, I am very sorry. Uh, but I'm I'm trying to strictly take away her work uh, and just look at her story versus and what she created and talk about kind of the history of the story versus the creator. I don't necessarily agree with everything that JK has said. So let's just, let's like make that very clear. Let's create a line here before we continue forward. But what, what is the theme of Harry Potter? I think the theme of Harry Potter is love and the ability for love to conquer evil. Um, and we see it very much so in the villain of Voldemort. Voldemort, if you can remember, like, I don't know, it's been a while since I've read the books as well. So, um, and it's more, it's much more deeply explored in the books, which is uh, something that people have brought up is like why the books are a little bit better in some cases. And we'll talk about the adaptations and the movies in a bit. But something to think about uh, is that Voldemort was created um, by a, like his love story between his parents were was is that his dad was a muggle, his mom. I feel gross saying muggle. I don't know why. Because it kind of is a slang term now that I think about it. But whatever. His dad was a muggle and his mom was a witch. And she ended up she ended up brewing a love potion to make her uh, to make his dad fall in love with her. And then he was conceived out of this love potion. And unfortunately, the dad ended up not being in the love potion anymore. He ends up leaving the family and the mother ends up dying. Um, and so for that reason. For that reason, I think that Voldemort presents himself as almost this force of nature who is just incapable of love because he has never kind of experienced love before. Even his conception was manufactured by his parents, right? It's not it's not something that is is true to his character. Whereas Harry very much so relies on love. He resi- he relies on the love of his friends. He relies on the love of his family. And the only reason that he survives, as it's kind of revealed in book one, is that there is his mother's love. She ended up uh, she ended up uh, sacrificing herself for Harry, and that kind of spell was the thing that saved Harry's life when he was a baby, right? And so for that example, I feel 
I feel like that's kind of the overarching theme of the entire series, which I think is interesting, if not a bit corny, but you know what? It's a kid's series, so I I still kind of do like it uh, overall as a theme. But Percy Jackson goes in a slightly different direction, where Percy Jackson is a warning, is more so of a warning about parenthood, and specifically the warning about neglecting your kids. And we see that a lot in kind of the two main villains of the series, which is Luke and Kronos. Now, Kronos himself is kind of this pure evil villain. Uh, there's not like a lot of depth to him, even though he resides in the pits of Tartarus. Ha 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 ha. That's a knee slapper if I ever heard one. Anyway, um, there's a lot of patting myself on the back on this podcast. I've realized that now. But anyway, continuing on. <laughs> so. So great Greek god pun. Anyway, moving on, uh, we see we see that Kronos is kind of more represent re- representative of this cycle of of children overthrowing their parents. Like, and that's very much clear in the first book when it kind of dis- it talks about how Kronos ended up killing his father. Uh, we see that the Olympians, who are the you know sons and daughters of Kronos, end up killing Kronos and bat- banishing him away. And then we see that in the other villain in the series with Luke, who is the son of Hermes, and he is the one that ends up being the titular lightning thief, which is the name of the first book. I should probably mention that. It's, the, it's called Percy Jackson and the lightning thief. And, and Luke, 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 uh, that guy that you meet that you think is kind of nice in the beginning of the book he's actually he's actually a bad guy even though he seems super nice trust me he's a bad guy anyway so Luke Luke is very much so kind of goes down more of a kill monger like in uh, Black Panther route where where he, he's very angry at the gods and he feels he feels like this deep neglect from his father again his father and mother you know they ended up having him and his mother and uh, really was in like quite dire straits. And unfortunately, uh, Luke prayed to Hermes and Hermes didn't come. And it just it feels it feels very it feels very tough to kind of kind of deal with that. And and the entire kind of theme of Percy Jackson becomes like this idea of how neglecting your kids and not and not taking the time to show them love is kind of where where the issues arise from. And what's so interesting about the entire series is that I think that Luke and Percy serve as like this really great mirrors of each other. Now, this mirroring is a great storytelling device. It's it's one that I, I actually deeply enjoy. Uh, it's a very it's a very common trope. You'll see it a lot. You see it a lot in in uh, Marvel in Marvel movies, which I don't always appreciate in Marvel movies because it's kind of like, okay, whatever. But but in this instance, I think it really works because it helps develop the theme a little bit more. Where you basically have two characters that have very similar traits in terms of like abilities and strengths, but. You give like you give this core difference in their values and how and you can see how one turned out to be good whereas another turned into out to be evil. And you see this you see this very, very distinctly between Percy and Luke, where Luke very much so feels neglected by his father. You see that Percy feels that way also with being a son of Poseidon, being even more neglected because like he wasn't even supposed to exist. But you see how Percy's able to overcome that by kind of having his found family with his friends in Annabeth and Grover uh, with his mentor in Chiron, whereas Luke really still holds on to that bitter kernel of hatred. And that's what really sparks the conflict between the two characters. Uh, We also see with Luke, we see 
we see this kind of nuance in kind of this redemption arc that he ends up going on uh, throughout the story where he does feel regret, where he starts coming over to the light side and ends up making a heroic sacrifice near the end. And we get another a great scene at the very end of the series where everything's starting to be resolved and the gods ask Percy, like, what is it that we need to do in order to make sure that something like this never happens again? And Percy responds, like, you need to listen to people like Luke. You need to take care of these kids and you need to you need to claim them and you need to be part of their lives and let them know that you care, you know, and that's. That's the key to the entire story. And in some ways, you find out that Luke was right, you know, like, and it it, it creates this really interesting conflict throughout the series, whereas sometimes with Harry Potter, it does feel like Voldemort's presence is not super strong throughout the series. Uh, It just feels like, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's out there, you know, he's probably doing some evil stuff like drinking unicorn blood or being on the backs of people's heads or whatever, <laughs> but, but you don't, there, there's not always like this constant threat, right? Whereas again, I think what, what the Percy Jackson books do is they present their villain and they have him be a re- this really nice through line throughout the series. Uh, I also think it helps that uh, PJ's adventures are condensed down to five books, whereas uh, Harry Potter's uh, are condensed out to about seven, which is quite a lot. That's a lot of content. <laughs> and and it's very it's it's very interesting to kind of think about uh, both stories in that sense. I think that if Harry Potter was a little bit more condensed, a little bit more tight, I think it would have been a little bit better. But who's to say? You know, like I mean, I I can't rewrite Harry Potter, right? And J.K. you know has been trying for years, but not even she could rewrite it on Twitter. You know. So anyway, moving on after that dig, J.K. Uh, let's see. Um, I think that adaptation plays a really big role in both these stories as well. Um, I think that Harry Potter's legacy will always be cemented and will always stand head and shoulders to anything that comes after it. Uh, because like everything that comes after HP as far as as far as like if another book somehow attains any global phenomenon, everybody will compare it to Harry Potter because Harry Potter's legacy, as far as like the hype surrounding it at the time for a book series was just astronomical, and uh, it it really does uh, it really stands out in my head. Like I think part of the reason why the books and why the series as a whole succeeded as well as it did was because let's face it, the books being released alongside of the the movies or the movies sorry being released alongside of the books is something that I think is very rare, and it's very rare for those movies to also be a good adaptation of those books. Like, book one was released, like, to give context, book one was released back in 1997. Uh, Your boy, David, was about one years old, and the movies came out about four years later in 2001, and it was surprisingly good. Now, looking back on the movies now, uh, the, the nostalgia helps quite a bit. I think I think that it's very weird that the first two movies feel as Christmassy as they do. And I think it helped that weirdly helps its legacy as well, because I remember my grandma um, who bless her heart. Right. Uh, Very like uh, Tennessee grandma. She would always like buy me the Harry Potter movies every single Christmas, like the new film that would come out. And I think that I think that that was solely based on around the fact that the first two, like uh, the Chamber of Secrets and um and the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where your region, <laughs> was uh, based on those two books. Uh, 
uh, two movies, sorry, uh, being so heavily Christmas themed. I think that that helps the legacy a little bit as well. And, and I think what helps the legacy even further is that as far as adaptations go, it's, it's really, it really is important for a story to have a good adaptation if it wants to continue moving forward. Right. Like it's, it's very easy for me. Like there's a, I mean, I've, I've gone on so I've gone on a lot of dates in the last couple of years. And, uh, my last girlfriend, she was very much a Harry Potter fan. And I remember, I remember us just like rewatching the films and having a good time, like revisiting those films. Did I think they were like as good as I remember as a kid? Not, not particularly there, but there was still such a good time. And it still gave me back this, these nostalgic memories of, of what was going on. Whereas Percy Jackson has had a bit of a rougher road in terms of, uh, in terms of adaptations. It's the ire of every Percy Jackson's fan to bring up the fact that there have been two Percy Jackson movies and, uh, both of them are really terrible. Um, to give a little bit of context on, t- on, the Percy Jackson films and based on like where their books were released, uh, book five, the final book of the original run of Percy Jackson, uh, released back in 2009. And it was really greatly reviewed. It was, it was a fantastic book, but then it was followed by 2010's Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning thief. And it, it was really bad. It really didn't capture kind of the spirit of what Percy Jackson is. It didn't really highlight the differences of what Percy Jackson was compared to Harry Potter. And it really did try to copy and paste a lot of things that Harry Potter did. Uh, but even more so, I think that the Sea of Monsters took that already bad premise and made it even worse. And the series has taken a long, long time to recover and taken a long time to come back in terms of a studio like a Hollywood studio wanting to take a risk and try to and try to bring it back. I think what helped was recently there came out a musical play called The Lightning Thief, uh, which is an ad- which is a musical adaptation of Percy Jackson and honestly, it kind of slaps. I don't think it's the greatest musical of all time. I think that technically speaking, it's honestly one of the worst I've heard, but <laughs> on a technical level, but it's still like it it gives me that same feelings that I get when I read the books where it's very fun, it's very goofy. Uh, and it does hit on themes of just childhood trauma and being abandoned by your parents, especially in the first opening chorus where they say, uh, the gods are real, the gods are real, the Greek gods. And then uh, they say, like, the ones you heard about but don't pay attention to you are the either, especially when you're their kid. You know, like, it, it, it hits those themes pretty hard in the first opening bars of that song, of, uh, of the, uh, the opening song. Uh, and it's just, it's a fun time. And it's the best thing that uh, Percy Jackson has come out with as far as, like, an adaptation. Now, there is coming out a Disney Plus adaptation of the, sh- of, uh, the books, and I'm really excited for that. Uh, Rick Reardon. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, There's a lot of debate online. But Rick Reardon has been uh, taking special interest in uh, helping bring this project to life. He seems really excited about it. And when Uncle Rick is excited about it, it makes me excited about it because he absolutely hates those movies that came out a couple years ago uh, and that we all want to forget about. So so needless to say, there... I think that Percy Jackson does have a chance to come back into kind of cultural relevance. I don't think it will ever hit the milestones that Harry Potter hit uh, because who can, right? <laughs> like Harry Potter at its peak was the number one YA novel series of all time. It's the only thing that kept Borders, uh, a bookstore that is long since debunked around. And it's just, it is it is untouchable as far as like how much, how much of a cultural impact HP had. But 
I do think that in my heart of hearts, I do think that PJ, I hope, I hope gets a really big resurgence here after the Disney Plus show is released. Anyway, that is kind of my overall thoughts about Percy Jackson and versus Harry Potter. I think that both series have a lot of good, good things to claim. Um, I think um, if there's one more thing I want to talk about, I think that as far as adaptations go, I think that Harry Potter also does have this, um, this easier route to adaptation because Harry doesn't really perform much spell work in the books and you can kind of write around that in in uh in hollywood and i think that's what really helped contribute uh having those uh those early films come out in like 2001 and 2003 like when special effects weren't that big of a deal whereas percy jackson kind of had to wait until 2010 and even then probably should have pushed it off a little bit more i think that percy jackson as far as a series goes i think will work a little bit better as a tv show versus a movie because there's a lot that happens in the in the books and it feels kind of more episodic and you can kind of see it more episodically. Whereas Harry Potter, you know, like it takes place over the course of a year and you can kind of really not a lot. (laughs) There's like a couple of key points that happen throughout the year, but there's not a lot in terms of like major action scenes or major action set pieces that you need to cover in Harry Potter. So I think that was also a big thing that benefited. Uh, Also, I think that as there might be an argument too that as JK was writing the series that she was thinking about that when she was writing the books too, Uh, because she saw the first book was successful. She sees the second book successful as far as like a screenplay is concerned. And so there might have been more there might have been more writing towards that as well, which I think is kind of an interesting topic. It's something I will do a little bit more research in uh, as possible. Um, Finally, I think that it is kind of funny that um, as far as like both stories go, I think it's really funny how in Harry Potter like one thing one like big thing will happen in in a year like in the Chamber of Secrets you know discovering the Chamber of Secrets but it'll take like the entire school year to tell that story where it's like three months whereas in Percy Jackson so much happens in the first book and it's really condensed down into like this two like they go on this whole road trip across America and it's really condensed down into these two weeks they go back to camp and then they just kind of have summer camp (laughs) they kind of just skip over summer camp uh, which I think is kind of funny and Percy is like you know like everybody's like excited for Percy to come back and they're like yeah Percy that was cool but then they just go back canoeing and stuff like the next day I think it's very funny um as far as like other external content that I want to bring up uh there is a there I think it's a musical or it's just a play it's called Puffs and it's about it's it's basically like this this musical that was off Broadway I don't think it's, it might be a musical again I'm debating myself whether it is a musical or not but basically it's about like the Hufflepuffs and like it's really gonna fo- it really focuses in on the Hufflepuffs and kind of their experience of the Harry Potter journeys of Harry HP's journeys throughout the uh, the school years at Hogwarts and I'm really excited to check that out it's on Amazon it's only like three bucks to rent and so uh, I would highly recommend renting that it seems it looks to be very good I'm really excited to watch it so I wanted to throw that recommendation out there for you and of course Percy Jackson is coming out with its own Disney Plus show Uh, hopefully uh, my gushing of Percy Jackson didn't do the opposite effect where now you hate him because you're like oh he thinks that he's better than Harry Potter it's like I don't think he's better than Harry Potter I know he's better than Harry Potter fight me no anyway um, I hope that it doesn't turn you off into watching the series I do think both series have a lot of good merits uh, to them 
especially the third book, uh, the third movie and book of Harry Potter. It's just so good. There's so many cool shots and there's so many cool moments in that book. Uh, like the, the, the death eaters are just so cool. It becomes like this weird horror movie, but anyway, uh, great stuff that comes out of HP's world as well. I don't want to like completely bag on him. I don't want to leave, uh, <laughs> don't want to leave this podcast on an overly negative Harry Potter note. Um, anyway, if you want to follow me on socials, uh, the, the socials are the story so far. You can follow me on Facebook using that. Uh, you can at me at the story so far with a bunch of underscores in between uh, on Instagram where I'll be making posts about like upcoming podcasts and things I and ideas that I'm coming up with. I think next week we're going to be trying to focus in on a little bit of we're either going to do a comparison between two movies that I really like um, or well one movie that I really like and one movie I really hate um, Avatar, uh, the uh, the one with blue people, and uh, versus uh, Princess Mononoke and how they deal with themes of nature and and humanity. And so I think that would be a kind of a really interesting uh, perspective. Or I might talk about just more adaptations and talking about how comics get ad- adapted uh, or ad- adapted to screen, uh, specifically with uh, the two Amazon Prime series that are currently airing, which are Invincible and The Boys. I don't know different ideas and so i'm going to definitely be more focused in on my stories um as as are focused in on making this a storytelling podcast and so i'm really excited to bring that content to you anyway my name is david shire and this is the story they tell